when the sun rises I wake up and chase my dreams I won't regret when the sun sets Cause I live my life like I'm a beast This is the Sales Mall Podcast Your hosts, Jerry Hill and Ryan Reiser Talk about the sales game And always keep it real It's Wednesday, and almost the uh, end of a quarter, end of a month, we're back. Hilly, how are things going? Other side of the pond. Five hours of the quarter left. Um, one opportunity out on the street. You know who you are. Really excited. It's been a good good couple of months, actually. So, yeah, if I, if I take some time to pause through and reflect over the weekend, I think... You know, nothing but positives, really. Um, big question that's been bugging you and me and a whole bunch of other folk recently. And it's something that I know you care deeply about, and I'm starting to become a much more passionate consumer of the problem. Are we doing data wrong in revenue ops and data ops today, Ryan? If I was on the Ancient Aliens TV series and they do the what if, what if lists don't need to be so large? And what if instead of talking to the wrong people half the time, <laughs> you could be talking to people you could actually help? The, over, the overwhelming answer is yes. <laughs> and why is As that? As a percentage, right? how, many, how many times out of 10, right? I reckon it's eight, nine times out of 10. Probably even nine and a half times out of 10, 95%. Well, you know, you've got the rise of the intent data systems that have come up, right, which are trying to solve for this problem, because I think it's very subjective um, today without a definition around um, who we should be calling. That word should uh, scares a lot of people off in business, especially. But yeah. when you really, when you look at, I don't know, I, I read a lot of books, so I should say I listen to a lot of books. And when you look at any any formula that's ever had success uh, and tends to be, you know, leaders in the space, et cetera, is they have the basic formula that marketers talk about. I talk about in outbound sales, no fluff, which is super, super simple at when, in principle, target message channel tiring. And it all begins with a, the target. The target is the list. And the smaller, more niche and more focused your list is, the, the, the more successful your business is going to be. Period. The, the the messaging, the alignment, the 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 actual future state. We talked about this last week. Um, you know, with Steve. Uh, you know, he's talking about what types of customer we're bringing in, and are they eventually going to be successful? Yeah. You know, right? Like, it all starts with this list. Yet, ninety percent of the business owners, probably more than that, that I've ever spoken to. They, you ask them, who do you serve? You know, Townsend Townsend's famous bathrobe uh, video. <laughs> I love this thing. Who do you serve? How do you serve them? They just can't answer that question. They, they want to, they want to say everybody. And we, we don't know until we, you know, get out there, we might be missing an opportunity. And that, that to me is just bullshit. It's absolutely bullshit. If you have any traction with your business, you're going to have more success and, and you're going to grow faster by going slower at the very top of the funnel, every time, right? It's not about more, 
you don't want to widen that. And I think that there's a, un, a misunderstanding of what that means. Like I'm not talking about quality versus quantity because you can go have a bunch of conversations. That's fine. Market dominance. You can do that, but make sure that those com those conversations are with the types of businesses that you want to be doing business with and don't continue to shove them through if you have those signals to get them out. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Spend spend your time, effort, and attention in the places where you know you have unique capability to service and serve versus the places where you're just taking a bit of a bet. There's a, there's a broad, broad versus a narrow hypothesis. There's a reason why people become PhDs. They narrow down their expertise, their learning, their capability into into being able to to execute against the problem set that they learn to understand intimate intimately and you know the best companies in the world even with broad marketplaces do that they understand how to get narrower and narrower and narrower so they can best service and and retain and win customers on that credibility and trust component and it all starts in the list so number one issue i hear from people is how do i get the data um Number one answer to that question in the market is go go and take a look at Zoom Info and Cognizant and you know Sales Intel or any of the others, Apollo. Why is that the wrong answer? Because there's too many shortcuts. There's too many shortcuts in what is supposed to be the most important piece of the equation. Target. When you don't review and have an eye on what's being displayed in these databases as a potential target, you know, the amount of effort, the cost, the inefficiencies that, that go down from there is, if you actually do the math on it, it's, it's astronomical. It's ridiculous, right? I mean, it's 10, 20, 30, 50x what you're paying those systems in the first place on a per record basis. Um, and so taking that shortcut up front is actually costing a tremendous amount of money. But also, <clears throat> there's, just, there's just little things that you learn from getting the list right that helps you stay focused on you know, what is and what isn't a good fit. So when you go to a database and you do a search on, we want to work with companies with X employees or greater and uh, in this industry with this SIP code or uh, using this technology, whatever, right? All those things that they say they have, they're not accurate, <laughs> you know? They're not 100% accurate. And each one might be a little bit more accurate than the other, but you, when you do that at a bigger scale, you might be able to get that away at like 10, 15, 20, like kind of do some shortcuts at a time, grab it, spot check it, grab it, spot check it. When you start grabbing thousands of records and you're not QAing that, that's when you start to try to grab a list of, you know, medical device companies, and all of a sudden you're talking to pharma companies, right? Mm. Medical, medical device, somewhere in one of these databases, they get shrunk, and all of a sudden you're, you know, you're talking to companies that have nothing to do with what you look. You know, one of the call, one of the lists that I'm calling right now, which again, shortcut of calling it, it's yielding, you know, results because we have the weapon, but you know, it's a, it was a fast-growing SaaS founders of fast-growing SaaS. I don't know what that means. It's just like, hey, they're they're in growth mode coming out of COVID. But you pull that list, it's supposed to be fast-growing SaaS, and I would say 30% of them are services businesses, right? Like recruiting and, you know, uh, like IT services. 
I, you know, they, they service SaaS companies. So somewhere on their website, it says SaaS and it gets put, it gets pulled in from the algorithms that are generating these mm. lists. So if you're going to use the database to go and get the list in the first place, that's fine. That's like a big chunk of ice, but you have to chop it down and be specific one-to-one that, you know, it's, you know, target accounts and sell the people, but those accounts in the very first place are so important. And I, I would be, you know, I throw this out there and I, I challenge some companies to do this. I would love it if we did this at Connect and Sell. It's like, if you took a week off and you just had everybody go through and create a, a wish list of, say, 250, it's like what you were talking about this header card, 250 accounts that you want to start doing business with and just focus on them over the next month. Start there. Everybody just start fresh and just start doing the, the same things you're doing today. The one person at that company you want to talk to first, get them in that list. So company, top person, or maybe the CEO, you maybe the CRO, whatever. Now, once you have a conversation, just replace replace that one with three more and build from there. That's it. Never go bigger than the 250 and just do your thing. Every conversation replace with three. Yeah. That's not that hard. It's not that hard to get started. And, and the databases do have a place in in this value chain of work, right? It, it's a it's a supply chain in and of itself, um, and they do have a place because they give you an opportunity to verify, to spot check, to come up with some curated intelligence, some email addresses, and potential phone numbers. Um, but you know, there's a lot of waste inherent in the attrition that we see today in 2020. You know, database attrition is a massive issue. You know, if I'm if I'm lying awake at night and I'm the CEO at Cognizant James Islay, or if I'm the CEO at Zoom Info, what am I worried about? I'm worried about the mass furlough schemes. I'm worried about the, you know, unemployment and retention and re- re- retrenchments that are happening in in companies right now. So not knowing whether or not the people that are inside of that data set is is a big issue. I've been I've been running some experiments recently to test a new value chain of work to see whether or not it could be weaponized. And um, one of the things that I'm doing is sort of taking who are the types of accounts that I want to speak to and why. Okay. Then I'm using Sales Navigator inside of LinkedIn to confirm and validate the value of those accounts to me. I'm then looking for the most senior people inside a sales navigator who've recently joined those companies. So I'm narrowing it down even further, Ryan. I'm not looking for people that have been inside those companies for six to eight years. I'm looking for the new senior executives that have been in those companies for six months, six months max. And then I'm, I'm spending my time and effort there. Now I'm using, instead of the core databases right now, I'm using some LinkedIn automation to extract those people into CSV files. I'm then going offshore to get human verification on those data points and working through bucket. So I get my, yes, they pick up the phone. Yes, they are the right person. Yes, they work at that company, triangulated. And then I'm working down to where the data is patchy and spotty, where I don't need to spend my time. And as a result, that whole value chain of work might seem quite sort of top heavy and invasive of time. But I guarantee you that if I can break through and have a conversation at a flow rate of one to five rather than at one to 40 on accounts and, and relationships I care deeply about executing against, it's going to be a, a force multiplier for my pipeline coverage and then my revenue number. So worth it. Definitely. Uh, Easy to uh, put into practice. Jury's out. 
Well, I think it is. I just think that people just need to, you know, attack it one bite at a time and not look at this massive shit show they created with, you know, with tools and automations and and take it back to the fundamentals. One bite at a time. I don't care if you go, go find the five, go five, find a five a day, five becomes 10 becomes 20 becomes you know, it's not, it doesn't take long to build your little empire. And if you're methodical and consistent with the process, then you're in great shape. Now, there are a lot of, there's a lot of red tape when you work at companies that do some of this stuff for you, that can be a challenge, right? One of the things that can be a challenge uh, is if you don't have access to, you know, an actual territory, it's this green grass thing. A lot of organizations run that thinking that it's helpful for the reps. I think it actually handicaps the shit out of your reps when there's not clearly defined territories because then you don't know where you're playing. It's like, if I go to do a list, I have to go and like cross-reference to this thing that no one's keeping up and don't even know if it's in shape. So if you take that type of environment, the first step in all of this should be, hey, go get clarity on, you know, what's open market, right? So yeah. go get your go get your green grass, your your, your blue fields, your white space, your white space. That's what I was looking for. Blue oceans. Guys, green grass, your blue oceans, mm. whatever they are. Go get it. <laughs> go get that clear defined, right? Then, you know, to your point, you know, target companies sell to people. So go find the organizations that you know you want to do business with. And how do you define that set? Well, if it looks like a customer that you've worked with in the past and had some success, they're experiencing or look to be experiencing similar things that you know that are typically a trigger. Like you said, new executives coming in, that might be a trigger, right? Uh, change management, people thinking that, you know, coming to make their way or whatever, right? Especially mm. revenue leadership. That's a good signal for you. Find what that is. Um, now that you have the accounts, then you can go and start to target people. Now, I think what a lot of organizations and individuals struggle with here is they believe that their message is the biggest and most important piece of this equation and they're wrong, right? The most important piece of the equation is timing. Uh, (laughs) you gotta get at the right time, right? You could take, you can take the right target, wrong message, right time, and yeah. still have success. Like, oh, that's why automation works, right? It's kind of the blind squirrel finding, you know, the nut. Um, timing is huge, so getting those triggers is big. But target, target, and timing are the two things that really the other things in the middle, the channel and time uh, and message, can be kind of fucked up, really, right? You might hate cold calls. I, you think you're getting into the Uber, but if you're the right person and I caught you at the right time with something yeah. relevant. I'm probably going to have more success than if I had the perfect message, you know, in the, in the wrong channel at the wrong time or whatever. Right. So spend but, the time, but, build the list. By, by, yeah. But by optimizing the list, you, you get an opportunity because you know that the data veracity and accuracy is pretty precise. So you're not spending cycles on if only that person would spend time with me. It's, Oh, I trust that to be true. I just now need to go and execute across all of those channels to find the timing signal. So then you're not wasting money and you're not creating friction and you're removing the fear and uncertainty and doubt that plagues most go to market motions about whether or not they're on a precise collision course with success in their market. And this can be as material as that eliminating the fear, uncertainty and doubt that comes alongside the experiments that we all run, the A-B tests, the everything else. We know that that person's there. We know that that email address is correct. We know that those phone numbers are correct. We know that that LinkedIn profile is spot on and accurate. It's just then a question of execution. 
Well, and, and if you have that, if you have that list with conviction and you know, there's that at some point you're going to have an opportunity to do business with these individuals, then you can start to approach them. Like you said, without a lot of fear, but the first, the first phase of approaching is really just about validation and awareness. So does this channel reach you? Yep. And when, when I reach you, like, yeah, I hope timing's right, but my main objective is now I know that you are reachable here and I want to represent myself in a way that builds some positive awareness. You know, positive or neutral. The negative awareness is not so good, right? So what do I mean by negative awareness, by the way? It's not this idea of, bur like, I've never, I don't understand the concept of burning a lead. You're going to burn through those leads. What does that mean? Oh, you're doing shitty sales and someone said, you know, and someone said, stop calling me because you called me five times in the same day. And I said, no, five times that would burn a lead. I understand that concept, but calling somebody until they pick up the phone. And that's the very first time you pick up the phone. You can't burn that lead. There's been no exchange, you know, emailing someone even, uh, <clears throat> I can understand the concept of spamming someone so much that they make you unsubscribe. I guess you can get it in that, that lens, but because you put me on a, a sequence that touches me three days, seven days, 21 days, I don't get the difference between that and sending an email, you know, three days in a row to try to get an response, right? Mm -hmm. As long as you, as long as your messaging's right, right? Like the idea of burning a lead is what does that mean? You know, I've engaged you as a potential prospect, and I'm trying to gather, build some awareness, gather some information, and validate by hypothesis, um, validate a channel for communication. And I, again, timing is going to be huge. So this idea of burning a lead is only when you do shitty, shitty sales, right? It's like it, yeah. it doesn't doesn't make sense to me. And if somebody's so personally upset with you because of your approach, yeah, you've burned the lead, but. If you are in a business to business, from a business to business concept, if you're doing everything you can to get an engagement started and the individual gives you a signal that timing is off, well, then take that signal and, and you know, re-engage re when the timing makes sense, right? Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure how you feel about that, but I hear that one a lot. And that's why I think it's become this big, massive list. Mm building exercise because I don't want to touch people too often. They might get upset. They don't even know who you are. What do you like? Get out of your own. You're so egotistical. It's you think arrogant that's all I think to assume that <laughs> it's arrogant. It's absolutely arrogant. And, um, you know, I get really frustrated with the burn the lead concept. You know, there's not a one-to-one -one relationship with a conversation and an opportunity. You're having conversations over a compounded period of time. That, that's what excellence in selling is all about. It's just glacially chipping away until there's enough credibility, trust, and timing to ensure that the conversation that you have is going to have maximum value to somebody, right? And we see it all the time. You know, one of the benefits of, of working in the Connect and Sell universe is, you know, John Jackson, old dude, man. You know, he's been with the company for a long time, 13 years. He does one thing brilliantly, just calls everybody once a quarter. He's not burning anything. He's calling on a relatively salient point that affects 95% of VPs of sales, and he's calling them once a quarter with discipline 
and joy and religious commitment to process. And when you do that, you may not be successful today, but in two years time, three years time, that compounding reputational effect of somebody that consistently is dropping knowledge bombs over that period of time, you start to leave an impression, but it can take that long. And everybody's looking for the quick win. List serves as a function of that ability to mature and develop those relationships over time. So anybody who says you only ever get one shot with a prospect is full of it and doesn't know what it's like to operate in the real world. They've read a book, they've listened to a blog post, they've listened to some gurus, but they've never actually executed. And to me, that all still comes back down to list. If you've got a high-performing list that's well-researched, well-designed and function of your best opportunity to service a company that has a consistent problem, then you're going to be fine. You can feel confident in your <clears throat> engagement model. Right? If you, exactly. here's, a, here's a very good test if you have a good list. When someone tells you, no, I'm not interested, and in the back of your mind, the first thing that you say when they hung up on you isn't, oh, my God, what did I do? You go, that guy's insane. They have all these things that we could help them with. I'm going to, like, when am I going to call him back? He must be busy. I'm going to call him back next week. Sounded busy. Versus, versus okay, I guess that guy's not interested or that gal's not interested. I'm going to take it out of my list. Don't call that person again. That's a, that's a meanie, right? Two different mindsets. Do you passionately, genuinely believe that that individual at that company could benefit from what you do? If yes, they're in your list. If no, you shouldn't have called them in the first place. And the, I, I, I don't understand why it's so difficult for organizations to take ownership of, and this is a leadership issue, and this is a, you know, this is one of the reasons why a lot of businesses fail is they don't have this methodical approach. There's a really good book I'm actually finishing up right now. It's called The One-Page Marketing Plan. It oh, talks wow. about this. Um, talks about this. They even have some resources. I think that's a one page marketing plan by da -da, Alan Dibb. <clears throat> Great book so far. Talks about the differences between companies that are successful and those who fail. It's like, it's funny because I have these conversations. I'm like, man, I wish I've worked at a company that, that had this figured out. I haven't yet. But from the very beginning, right, you create your marketing infrastructure, your sales infrastructure. And it's very straightforward. Like you go and do things for people to subscribe to your database. Um, and in the case of outbound, it's you are trying to get people to subscribe to your database, essentially, right? You're going to get it. They're going to opt in via your non-traditional form of media. Media in this case is the phone. If you're practically calling or a one-to-one -one email or a LinkedIn message, right? That's media or delivery channel. Um, but you're essentially, it's very simple, right? You, from the very beginning, you take a lead, you get it into your database, and then you just nurture the shit out of it until they become a customer. And then you nurture the shit out of that until they become an advocate, referral partner. And eventually, you know, you just keep nurturing until your, your job is so easy, like John Jackson. All you're doing is talking to your friends and customers and, mm. you know, you're just getting in front of people when the time's right. And he said in this, in this book, he talks about, most companies fail because they do, um, what was it called? 
Oh man, I'm trying to think of the term. It's so it's so good. But essentially, they, they they're not they're not investing in marketing. They kind of do these spurts of marketing with no measurement, no goals in yep. mind, no focus. Campaigns in pursuit. That's it. It's like that's it. We're just gonna do a lot of something. Let's hope, try and see what happens. It's spaghetti at wall, right? Try and there's no there's no follow up. And then he also says like the the average follow up is less than three attempts, right? The good stuff that happens in anything corporate, commercial, business to business, or transaction services, whatever we want to call it, all of the good stuff happens in follow up. Mm-hmm. Okay, one of my best ever deals was selling into a major international premium hotel chain when I was when I was doing some work for an interim role at uh, an insights business. I called that VP of insights 72 times in six months. Mm-hmm. I didn't burn the lead. I just showed cautious persistence. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know what burning lead. No lead burn. No lead burn. Eventually, once I got through the admin and the gatekeeper and had conversations with them in a lot of those 72% of, of 72 attempts, he was like, you're not going to let this go. I'd need to take the time with you, don't I? And I was like, yeah, because I know we can serve you. I wouldn't be putting in this effort, energy, persistence if I didn't believe that we're going to change the game for you in a common problem. And I have a duty of responsibility. It's my my duty, my care cycle, is to ensure that you become aware of this. That right there is the game. So how do you get, how do you enable somebody in a sales position to have that level of confidence and persistence towards your next best customer with that about a care and commitment eliminate eliminate list work and make list work intelligent thoughtful and precise so that when i know that the person on my list gets emerges as the next best person for me to to approach i know that i'm going to be able to service them because i trust deeply that the list has been composed of the right people against the right problem set that we get to execute against that it's not some wild string theory or experiment or if it is i need to know it and i need to know what percentage of my time is spent in the string theory experiment is it five percent is it ten percent but is the list actually the thing that's preventing me from getting to my objective nine times out of ten it is you know, if we look at some basic maths on research leads, if, if an SDR today is doing 20 per day, we came up with a number earlier that it's potentially costing your business $15 for every research lead. And that's still not any guarantee that there's a precise data point against that, that person you want to get in touch with. And by the time that research leads crept from the hypothesis from the CEO down to the SDR, is that even the right research lead for crying out loud? Yeah. I think you I think you hit on something that's that's going to be an open discussion. It's like, well, what if we're still in search mode? It's like, well, then you shouldn't have all these employees, right? You shouldn't have all of these uh, resources that are a drain on on your uh, your business at this stage because you haven't figured it out yet, right? I mean, mm. I know there's businesses that grow without without having this type of approach. I'm not, uh, you know, that's what I call luck. Like, <laughs> you know, and those businesses, if they took a more methodical approach would be even bigger. They would have even more success. Um, 
there's no doubt in that, right? But uh, the the focus on the niche is what's made most organizations as successful as they are. I mean, even looking at the, some of the earliest uh, or the most recent success stories, right? Amazon started as an online bookstore, right? That was that was it. You know, an online bookstore, not a not a store for everyone. They could have, if they started like a store for everyone that was going to do that, they would not be successful. They went and dominated a niche category. Facebook, lots of other social channels, started as an exclusive network for Harvard, and then expanded out once they had dominance. Right? Um, you know, any successful story starts there. So why do startups who have zero customers or ten customers from their friends? want to go and boil the ocean <laughs> yeah I, I loved it my, my first ever sort of head of sales outside of a big corporate gig was a with a startup really really credible competent ceo who was on a mission for the mission to to ultimately achieve its objective though we had to kind of strap together three different marketplaces or three different markets and thread them together in order to achieve the goal and we spent two and a half years trying to acquire corporate advisory and financial services businesses in parallel and it was the hardest thing in the world when we stripped it back and started pursuing a subsector of a subsector of a corporate sector vertical good things started to happen right and um you know we became the expert in intellectual property analytics for the automotive value chain as it relates to converging converged technologies so m health and you know haptic screens and all the other sort of consumer technology that you now see in automotives we basically underpinned a lot of that evolution and innovation but where we started was right let's go and get the asset managers on board let's go and get the banks on board let's go and get the law firms on board oh and by the way let's get the in-house ip teams on board and it was just such a chaotic unstructured and unclear approach that nobody in the business ultimately was learning anything back from the list because the list was so badly defined. It was, well, today we'll speak to Deutsche Bank, tomorrow we'll speak to BAA Systems, and the day after that we'll speak to Waitrose, the, the supermarket chain. Nothing tying any of those things together other than a macro trend. So okay. it kind of spent two and a half years for us to be able to get out of that malaise. Focus. Focus, Agreed. right? I mean, there's like a, a, a hundred watt light bulb can light up a room, you know, when it's displayed the way it is, or you can take a hundred watts of energy into a laser and it'll cut through metal. <laughs> Focus, <laughs> same amount of energy, same amount of, you know, distribution. I mean, and there's, yeah. you know, that's, that's what it's all about. And, um, you know, if there's anything you can take about that, even if you work at a big company with a big market, with a big opportunity, if you're an individual rep, find your niche. Focus. It comes back to list, 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 list. List, momentum, focus. If you're in a conversation yeah. about the same types of problems over and over and over again, that's where expertise comes into play. Yeah. And when you become an expert, you're a much more trusted advisor. You're not a salesperson anymore. You're a trusted advisor. When you're a trusted advisor, everything else becomes easier. People come to you with their problems. You don't have to go to them. And uh, and I'll lead, I'll lead with this. Uh, you know, at the end, on my side is, um, you know, it doesn't even have to be as complicated as you know we're even talking about. It. It's like first things first. Uh, in this book, uh, the one page marketing plan, it talks about the 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 Guinness world, the Guinness Guinness 
record. What is that called? Guinness World Records? The Guinness Book Guinness of Records, Book. man. Guinness Book it, of World it Records. Was my, it was a bit of nostalgia here. Every year from the ages of about 6 to 12, it was my stocking filler every Christmas was the new edition of the Guinness Book of Records. That's why you're so intelligent. Uh, uh, I can just digest facts, man. That's good. So... <laughs> So you might know this guy then. The world record holder is the, the be- greatest salesman ever. He's a car salesman in like, I don't know, Kansas or something. I, I don't know the story. And he, wasn't he selling like r- ripping through like two, three hundred like cars a week or a month or something? Yeah. So it's 13, he sold 13,000 cars over, you know, whatever his span was. And uh, during that time frame, that was more than like entire dealerships. You know, he was averaging like six to six cars a day. He had, you know, he's doing hundreds of cars a month. Anyway, and his secret was as simple as being methodical with his list. And what was his list? His initial customers. Get a customer, bring it into the database, capture the information. And he wrote handwritten letters, handwritten letters to his customers every single month forever so yep. one became 20 became hundreds eventually he had literally was writing thirteen thousand cards a month handwritten letters uh to his customers and what happens when somebody's thinking of a car they go to him right and he sold them all retail one-to-one no mass sales it was mm. all one one-to-one right so stop all this automation stop all the the things that um make you do more and less unless of course it makes sense right the manual tedious stuff that's crap like dialing a phone that you can automate um even the idea of um you know again enriching a phone number or an email automate that but don't shortcut actually finding the person and starting that initial hypothesis of hey this is someone i want to help because once you have that information Never stop until you serve them. It's your duty, your honor, all those things you said. And and then the funny thing that I think, and I've already written this down already, it's like do things that are differentiated and surprise and delight those individuals. So you're not just another automated bot. Yeah. And you know, oh, less man. is more. Me, the 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 value of handwriting letters again is something that's been completely overlooked and uh you know i've had some personal experiences of of this in the past couple of weeks i I helped a friend out who's got a a startup they've got a really good idea and i took him through a messaging workshop on a sunday morning and we had a bit of breakfast and stuff and he sent me a handwritten letter on paper through the post and when i got that on tuesday morning this week i was absolutely blown away by it you know it's those little touches um what am I doing on that front at the moment? I'm just sending out books to people post deal. I'm just sending out little books, you know, useful things that I think that can help them optimize based on what I heard in all of the conversations and time we spent together. I'm sending them your book in some instances and I'm sending them never split the difference. And you know, it's just those small little touches. I think cost me nothing really other than some postage. So yeah, but it allows you to do that because it's because the list is well defined at the very very outset. Yeah. Anyway, so. Well, awesome, man. Uh, I uh, I'm near and dear in this topic. If 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 uh, if we continue down this path, we're gonna create a master's course. I think I think the the, <laughs> piece, the piece that's 
challenging and I'll leave everybody with this leaving note today is um, today try to do spend a little bit of extra time focused on just giving a nice little pass on the, the attempts that you're trying to make. And if you clean that up and focus on people you think you can help, make that your starting base. Mm. And, and then just take a little bit of time at the end of the day. And for every conversation that you have, go replace it with three more. And most people aren't having a lot of conversations every day. So it's not that big of an exercise. But if you do that yep. and you commit to the process, check back in a month, and I bet you're going to have more success than trying to randomly grab random lists of hundreds of people and seeing what sticks to the wall. Totally agree, man. Yeah. All, All right. right. We're, we're out of here. Speak to you later. Bye. Cheers.